Hello, this is Tiana Shoei, and I'm the host of the Made to Conquer podcast. This podcast is designed to encourage you to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Jesus told us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because when we stand before him, we want to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hello, everyone. This is Tiana Shoei, and welcome to the podcast, Made to Conquer. How are you guys doing? Happy March 1st. Talk about the first and third Wednesday of every month. This podcast fell on the first. Hope you guys are doing good. A couple quick announcements before we jump into today's podcast, which is going to be very different than anything I've ever done before. And I'm excited. I always say that, but I genuinely mean it every time. So it's not untrue. Uh, first thing is that women's retreat is sold out. We're super excited to see you in Tennessee on Mother's Day weekend, starting that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all to Sunday. We're going to go to Calvary Chapel in the Pigeon Forge area for church on Sunday morning, and then we're going to all part our ways. So we're pretty excited about that. It's just going to be a weekend of fellowship and fun. We have a couple futon spots left. Uh, but the way that this cabin is laid out, the futons are at the foot of the bed <laughs> in, in each of the bedrooms. And so we weren't really, we kind of figured people weren't going to be super excited about that. So we decided not to sell those tickets and just fill the beds instead and leave the futons open. Um, if for some reason you're interested, sometimes we have a cancellation. I'm happy to put you on the cancellation list, but otherwise we are sold out. Super excited to meet everyone. And uh, I can tell you that just the ladies so far that the Lord has brought together through this podcast have been incredible. We had our first event at the Ark Encounter, which would have been April of last year. Then we had our ladies retreat in fall of last year. And so this will be our third Made to Conquer event. And I, it's been amazing every single time. It's just been, you, you know, where, where there's no pretentiousness. There's nothing but but women who love Jesus and are excited about hanging out with other women who feel who who love Jesus too. So very excited about that. Um, something that Paul and I mentioned on Warriors Rising that I'm super, um, super thrilled that the Lord is working, you know, pushing us towards. So we had somebody who made a generous donation and we've been praying about how the Lord wanted to use it for a while. And here's what we, here's what we really believe the Lord is leading us to do. So Paul talked a little bit about the details on this in the Warriors Rising, but we, I don't know if you guys saw the He Gets Us campaign for the Super Bowl. And while obviously it's always it's always good, you know, that Jesus is being brought up. The problem with that campaign is it didn't really talk about the Bible. It didn't really talk about the salvation found in Jesus. I think the best analogy I heard was it would be like St. Jude's talking about the fact that that, you know, they that they're there to help people, but they don't talk about the fact that they're children's hospital and that they work specifically on cancer. And so it was like St. Jude's is a good place. St. Jude's does good things, but leaves off all the details of what they can do for you. And the gospel was never really shared on the website. If you go on, it doesn't talk about the fact that you're a sinner in need of a savior and that Jesus provides that salvation. It talks about this kind Jesus that understands us, but the whole gospel message is left out of it. So it's not that it's a bad thing, but it leaves people wanting for the truth. And one of the things that Jesus told us in the Olivet Discourse, so the Olivet Discourse refers to the fact that, that Jesus and his disciples go up to the Mount of Olives, and they ask him three questions. When will these things be? What is the sign of them? And so, you know, essentially, Jesus had just gotten done telling the, the disciples, look, 
that not one stone will be left on another. And he's talking about the temple. And then, you know, the, the disciples start asking him these kind of big, broad questions like when, what will be the sign? How will we know what, you know, what, what, how are we going to know about this? And it's called the Olivet Discourse because on the mountain of Mount of Olives, Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 19, or excuse me, 21 goes into this and it's in the book of Mark as well. I think it's chapter 14. I'd have to look exactly, but he kind of goes in and he explains to them about end times. And the first thing that Jesus says is, let no one deceive you because many false messiahs will come in my name. And that can be taken literally. There will be literal people walking around the planet saying, I'm Jesus Christ. And so I think that is that one of the trans interpretations of that is that literal people will show up claiming to be Jesus. And one of the things he said is, you know, you're going to know it's me because you're going to see me coming from the clouds. Like I'm not going to come the second time like I did the first time. But I think there's also part of the warning that he was giving us were these false Jesuses were the false the fault the fake messiahs that were going to come up in the end times and we're living through that and what i mean by this is there's a fake jesus of the mormon church there's a fake jesus of the jehovah's witness church uh, neither of those jesuses are god right they're they're a they take the name of jesus and they they downgrade him <laughs> to the son of god but not god himself and then you have social justice warrior jesus and we now live in a world where people define Jesus based on what makes them feel good. And I've been following Frank Turek and Elisa Childers who are doing a good job covering this whole deconstruction movement. And essentially what has happened and, and you know, what Satan has convinced this entire generation of is that God, his truths, his ways are toxic. And, you know, it's, it's this deconstruction movement and this younger generation has been taught not even to dialogue, not even to engage with people like us because we're toxic. And how do you, how do you combat that? How do you deal with that? Well, I can tell you that the first thing is never compromise the truth. And Alicia does a good job and I'm not here to discuss how to talk to a deconstruction. That's not the purpose of today's podcast. But what I wanted to point out is part of what's happening is we're recreating Jesus's that are more palatable to this generation. And it's a very dangerous thing to do because there's only one Jesus. He's the Jesus of the Bible. He is God. He is the alpha and the omega. He came the first time as the lamb of God to bear the sins of the world. He's coming the second time and he ain't messing around in the second time. And the second time he comes back riding on a white horse <laughs> and the king of kings and Lord of lords is on his, on his robe and on his thigh. And he's ferocious and he comes back as a mighty warrior. And so the Jesus that showed up on the first, it's the same Jesus, but the second coming and the first coming are very different prophetically. They're very different in the Bible. And what we've got to be very careful to do as Christians is not, not represent, not speak of, and not get swayed by the wrong Jesus, because there's a lot of fake Jesuses out there. Uh, you know, I very rarely block people on TikTok because I don't mind people having different opinions than me. I actually had somebody this week who was like, I, I've followed you for a long time. I'm a Satanist. I've got some questions. And I said, okay. And the first thing he wrote back is, I can't believe you talked to me. And I'm like, why would I not talk to you? He's like, none of the other Christians I've ever talked to have have written me back and i was like well i'm, I'm sorry for that let's talk what you know why are you a satanist <laughs> was my question um and that's the best way to talk to people about jesus by the way is just asking questions what do you believe what makes you think that why do you believe that do you you know how can you be that sure that that's true asking people questions to actually force them to think about what they believe is the best way to share jesus oh so so you do believe some things are bad, but what is that based on? Is that society? And how, how do you know society has it right? And that's what I've learned from listening to Frank Turk's podcast. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I listened to every one of his ep episodes and I've learned a lot about how to engage with people about Jesus. 
But you know what, what we've got to be careful of is not creating this own Jesus in our mind. And, and so the people that I've had to block on TikTok are people who are t- preaching a different Jesus. I, I remember one girl, she was like, that is my Jesus would not do that. And I was like, I don't know who your Jesus is, but he ain't the Jesus of the Bible. <laughs> And so and she was spamming my comments and confusing people and causing problems. And I blocked her, not because I'm afraid of somebody disagreeing with me, but because I don't want other people to have to deal with that. And if you're going to be preaching a different Jesus, you're not, you know, and, and doing so in a, in a very disruptive way, then we've got problems. And, and I'm not going to um, subject let more vulnerable people to heresy for the sake of not offending a heretic. <laughs> So there's a time and a place to be gentle and kind and talk to people and 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 in a platform, but there's a time and a place that's not. And um, bullying people in my comments is not that time and place. And so I say all this to say the Jesus of the Bible is the one that we've got to make sure we keep our eyes focused on and that we understand him. We know him. The Bible is not here just so we know more about God, but the Bible is here so we can know him more. And the more time you spend in God's word, the more time you spend praying, the more time you spend in worship, the more time you spend just with Jesus. He says something really profound. He says, my sheep know my voice. And do you know the real Jesus? Do you know his voice? And I don't say this to make you scared. It's it's funny because women, we have a tendency to get very scared about things. And every time I say something like this, or I challenge, or I bring up something, I inevitably get an email from somebody who's like, do I really know? And, And women have this tendency to be super scared. And so I'm not saying this to scare you. Uh, God is not far from you. If 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 you hear this and you're going, oh, well, I don't really know that, then that should be a sign to you not to freak out, not to you know run around in a panic, but just to start asking God, do I really know you? Do I really know your voice? Uh, you know, am I a part of your flock? And going to Him, He's the only one who can give you that life and that security. And so I, you know, I I I wanted to just kind of touch on that a little bit. And so as that as this is this fake Jesus is being circulated. I've really had a heart to create tools to help Christians share the gospel. That's one of our missions, guys. We have very few, you know, the, the love God, love people, go and make disciples of all nations. Do you know how to share the gospel? If somebody asked you, what what does it mean to be a Christian? Can you articulate that? And, and it's not a criticism. A lot of Christians don't know how to do that. That's not, it's not something that we're taught. So what Paul and I are putting together, and Lena is helping us on this, so it's kind of the three of us, is we're putting together a kit. It's going to be called the Make Heaven Crowded Kit. And in the kit, you're going to get three small books, booklets, something you can sit down and read in an hour. Um, Ansad of Ecclesia, which is Paul's book, and it's just a book that talks about what it means to be a Christian. We're going to give the CPR guide, which is a guide on how to share the gospel. And then we're giving Charlie Campbell's book, which is 50 Common Questions for Skeptics. So things that you're likely to get questions on if you start sharing the gospel and answers. It's a great, great, great book. And then we've got these little evangelist cards that we're putting together. And what they're going to have is just a simple question on the front with a QR code on the back. And the QR code is going to go to a website that just shares the gospel, the Jesus of the Bible, the true message, who Jesus really was, what the Bible says about him, how to be get how to be saved, uh, with some teachings on there, video form, written form, and a contact us. So people who want to know more about Jesus can can um can reach out to one of us at either Made to Conquer or Warriors Rising, you know, we'll work out all those logistics. And so it's going to be an evangelist toolkit to, to prepare you, give you the tools you need to share the gospel. And it's really great. It's going to be small and simple. So we're setting up that website and uh, the campaign is called Make Heaven Crowded. 
and we want to equip Christians to share the gospel, and then we want to give tools for those that are lost, that are searching, that want to know more about Jesus, who who he really is, what the Bible really says, to counter this narrative of all these fake Jesuses and give this true, the true narrative of Jesus out there. So we are, we've ordered the books, we're getting everything put together, and we should have them in the next couple of weeks. So we had somebody that was kind and generated a donated a pretty big donation so what we're going to do is try to cover most of the cost with that donation so that way these kits are pretty cheap so we still have to finish getting everything put together and our goal is to be able to 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 cover you know keep the cost almost nothing so we can get these kits in the hands of christians and you'll have you know 20 30 cards you can hand out with a you know link to a website that shares the gospel and tools that will help you learn how to be more confident in sharing your faith as the times get, become more evil so we're really excited about that we're calling it our make having crowded campaign and um you know keep an eye out for that we hope to have it up in the next two weeks so hopefully by the next made to conquer podcast i'll be able to give you all the details and get it all set up so we're, we're pretty excited about that and then last but not least uh, so many of you have stepped up and started donating recently i just want to say thank you so much again this is the kind of stuff paul and i are doing with this we're using it to stand up websites create tools put tools in the hands of uh, christians create tools for non-believers paul's writing a class right now that is going to be used to help you grow in your faith. It's it's going to be you know what the Bible says, how to read the Bible, learning about the Bible, some apologetics, and um, so you know we're we're working hard. And Lena and you know there's a couple ladies who are heavily involved now in Made to Conquer on a on a much more regular basis. We're working hard to just not just give you a podcast, but give you everything you need to just you know, really step into what it means to follow Jesus and create that community and those tools. So be on the lookout. We're busy with a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And we really just want, you know, I, I just, for you, I just want you to know Jesus. I want you to have that assurance and that confidence and everywhere he puts you in whatever circumstance he puts you in that you're prepared and equipped. And, you know, the Bible says, be prepared to give an answer for your faith. You know, the hope, your hope in season and out of season, Peter tells us. And so that's really what we're trying to do is equip you to, to be prepared to do the things that God's called you to do and to step into what God's called you to, to do. Your role, your, your, your role in the body of Christ is so important. And uh, this is the time for us to get engaged in the battle. So that's that's that. With that, we're going to jump into today's podcast. So like I said, this is going to be very different. And as I was really just been praying, my heart has just been so heavy about the things that are going on in our world right now. Um, Paul and I talk about them on Friday on Warriors Rising. And one of the things that has come up a couple of times, and, and we're going to hit it more on Friday, this coming up Friday, let's see, that'll be March. I don't know what day that is. March 3rd, probably for second, third. Yeah. We're going to talk about this more in Warriors Rising, but one of the questions people ask all the time is, okay, now that the WHO, you know, we're most likely signing over our sovereignty, our medical sovereignty to the WHO this week. And now that the central bank digital currency is slowly eking its way in, what should we be doing? And there's a lot of fear and panic. And Paul and I, you know, part of the reason why we do the Warriors Rising is to say, there's no reason to be afraid, guys. God told us this stuff was coming. And he told us what we needed to know to prepare. And, you know, I, it's so easy um to 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 fear is our natural go-to as christians uh or excuse me as humans and not as christians it should not be as christians as humans it's our natural go-to as humans because the first part of our brain that's formed is our limbic brain which is our flight or flight part of our brain and so you know we're hardwired to not get not get eaten by a wild animal or run over by a car or poisoned right we're hardwired to stay alive first and foremost and so when we hear these things we kind of go into that panic mode but Jesus doesn't say panic. 
when the time comes. No, he says, actually the opposite. He says, don't worry. I mean, you're going to be put in front of a lot of people and I, my Holy Spirit's going to lead you. The only people he tells to flee are the people that are living in Israel at the time that the Antichrist is in power and stands in the temple and declares himself to be God. That's the only time Jesus says, run. And that is very specifically just to the people living in Judea. He says, let those who are in Judea flee. <laughs> and so as Christians, we've got to get out of this flight or fight mode and fear mode, and we've got to get into the battle mode. And, you know, that starts with, first of all, just being in God's word and seeing his assurances and seeing that God, nothing that's happening is not already been foretold. I mean, that's the thing about all this is the reason why I get so excited about about eschatology and time events is guys, we're watching the book of Revelation and Daniel and Zechariah and Isaiah and these prophecies that have been out, you know, Ezekiel, especially thousands of years old, we're watching them unfold before us that we should be, we should be elated that we're alive during this time. You know, I went and saw the Jesus Revolution, and uh, my my parents were saved in Calvary Chapel. I grew up in Calvary Chapel. Um, Calvary Chapel's motto is simply teach the Bible simply, and people ask me all the time, how do you know so much about the Bible? And in large part, it, it's due to growing up in a Calvary Chapel and being taught God's Word. Uh, the, the real story that, you know, that the movie didn't tell is um, what, what Chuck, Chuck Smith initially started he was kind of church hopping, you know, he'd go for two years and just teach the same shallow messages. And he just really got convicted by the Holy Spirit. So once, once Wednesday night, I think it was, he got to church and he decided he didn't want to preach to people he wanted to teach. So we got the chairs and he put them in a circle. And that was what really ticked off the elders. They're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't want to preach to people. I want to teach people. And that's what started Chuck at odds with his elders at the church that he was at. And that's when his wife, Kay Smith, who actually was, she's the one who kind of pushed him towards the hippies. The movie does it the other way around. But she was like, Chuck, if you want to teach people, there's these hungry hippies that need the gospel. And that was kind of what kicked off the, the actual Jesus revolution was Kay Smith pushing Chuck towards the hippies and him starting to teach them the word of God. And then Lonnie Frisbee came into the story. So as I watched that, you know, I, it was it was great to see my heritage. Uh, my parents, like I said, they got saved in that movement. And I grew up going to Calvary Chapel and... Um, still today, call it Calvary Chapel, my home church. Um, and so it's, it was great to watch it, but you know, it's interesting when you watch those, you get the goosebumps and you think, man, wouldn't it be great to be a part of something like that? And the reality is we are, this is our Jesus revolution guys. You know, if you would have gone back in time to Chuck and to, you know, some of these big, there are a lot of people involved in that movement that didn't show up in the movie. Okay. So any of the people that were closely involved in that, my former pastor, Chuck Butler, who was a part of, uh, you know, very much involved in all of that. And, and all of, all of these people, if you would have asked him, like, do you realize how big this is? They didn't because God knows better than to let our ego know about what's really going on. <laughs> If we knew the impact we were having, we might begin to think it was us and not him. And so I think it's a mercy of God that we don't fully see the fruit of what's going on. Pastor Chuck died, you know, many years ago from cancer. And so, you know, it was probably a blessing. There's probably a reason why the Jesus revolution didn't come out in the lifetime of Pastor Chuck, because he might've, you know, might've uh, fallen prey to the very thing that the enemy has taught us all to be prey, you know, fall prey to, which is our own ego and pride. And so, you know, but the thing that it reminded me is this is our time. This is our season. This is our movement. The Holy Spirit is moving powerfully in people's lives. We're seeing these revivals, which I know Christians love to criticize them. But, you know, um, the Bible explicitly warns, unless there's false teaching, don't judge. Do not judge a, a thing before its season. 
um, you know, Paul mentions this in first Corinthians chapter four, he tells the church, he's like, let Jesus do that. And that's what Jesus tells his, his disciples. When he tells the parable of the wheat and tares, he says, there's going to be some weeds sown in amongst the wheat. That's not your job. That's my job. I will separate that out. You just keep doing what I've called you to do. And this autoimmune disease that we grow in the body of Christ just makes me crazy. It's like, stop eating each other alive. Let's deal with the real disease, which is sin, and stop eating each other alive. So I think that a lot of great came out of the Ashbury revivals, but it's not just about those revivals. It's about what you everyday people like you and me are getting up and doing every single day. This is our movement. This is our time. This is our revolution. And it begins with our personal relationship with Jesus. We cannot go out into the world and impact the world if we ourselves are not changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, if we are not living by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that that was really... You know, I guess when I look back, why I felt like the Lord really wanted me to start this podcast is to remind all of us, let's wake up, let's get in the game. I, let's not look back and say, I wish I would have, I wish I would have. And that's, you know, that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the parable, the different parables of rewards, you know, the parable of the the talents is he's saying, look, guys, I'm going to give you something and I'm going to come back and I'm going to get and ask for an account for it. Don't bury it. Take what I'm giving you and sow it back into the kingdom. And, and it will produce a crop. You you will be amazed at what God will do with a little bit of faithfulness. A two two fish and five loaves fed five thousand people. God doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't need you to be you know the Apostle Paul. He doesn't need you to have a Bible degree. He just needs you to be willing and to have an honest relationship with Him, so He can take what that intimate time that you spend with Him, that foundational time you spend with Him, and through that produce a crop in your life. And so you know that movie just really. It made me go, I, this is great. And it's great to see the movement that, that God used to get my parents, you know, out of their heathen lifestyles. <laughs> and, um, neither of them were raised in a Christian home. My dad was raised in a Catholic home, a very Catholic home. He went to Catholic school growing up. Um, but they, they didn't know Jesus until some hippie told him about Jesus. And, and, you know, so let's, let's, let's carpe diem for lack of a better word. Let's seize the day and let's, Let's make the most of every opportunity that God is giving us. And so in today's podcast, I wanted to talk about the power of prayer. Now, I've, I've done podcasts about prayer before, but this one's going to be different. And here's why. We're going to go through a couple passages about prayer, passages that have moved me. The Psalms are full of prayers. I mean, that's what the book of Psalms is. And then we're just going to pray together. The last half of this podcast is just going to be prayer. I just ask you to join me as I as, as we pray together for these things and pray together for this nation. And I just want to spend the the majority of the time that we're together just crying out to God for our nation, for the people of this nation, for the things that are going on. And, you know, um, this is taking this scripture a little bit out of context. So, you know, heed this warning, but Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. And so this is my me asking you to, to gather with me on this. I wish it was in person. It would be better and more powerful, but it was if it were in person. But the Bible not only is the book of Psalms, you know, just filled with incredible prayers towards God, but the Bible is also very clear about what happens when Christians pray and when people of God pray. And I think sometimes when when we're looking at all these things and saying, "What can I do? What should I be doing?" I'm getting fearful. And let me tell you what you should be doing: praying. <laughs> that should always be our first line of defense: prayer, 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 prayer. And as I have endured some things over the past couple of weeks that have just challenged me to the core and shook me to the core, the only thing I, I have to turn to is, you know, God's word and prayer. And and that's not insignificant. We don't serve a wooden God. <laughs> uh, we serve the true God. And so 
I just wanted to take this time to just really lift up this nation, pray for this nation, and go to war for this nation and this world and our brothers and sisters across the world, not, not just the United States, but all over the world, our fellow mankind, fellow image bearers. The enemy is, um, he's working hard to destroy many people. And this is our mission. This is our time. This is our Jesus revolution. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be on the sideline. I'm not gonna be so concerned about preserving myself that I miss the opportunities that God gives me. I, at least that's my prayer. That's my cry out to the Lord is don't let me, don't let me squander anything that you've made me a steward of. Teach me to be a good and faithful steward. And so we're gonna, we're gonna dive into that. So because we're gonna spend our entire podcast in prayer, I'm not gonna pray before I open because we're gonna pray to, to wrap this up. But I wanted to read a couple passages in the Bible that talk specifically about prayer. The first one is comes from Nehemiah chapter one. Now, just to remind you, Nehemiah. So when you put Nehemiah in the context, let's, let's go through the story because this is important to remember. So we have the very, very beginning, which is Adam and Eve. They sinned. <laughs> they had Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. They had Seth. And then the lineage goes on. We have Noah, the flood. Uh, you know, the, the Tower of Babel, and that kind of ends chapter 11, and then we go into Abraham, and God establishes a covenant with Abraham, and he becomes the father of many nations, and, you know, the essentially the father of Judaism, the Jewish people, and so Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has Jacob, Jacob has 12 sons, and one of his 12 sons, and those become the 12 tribes of Israel, by the way, one of his 12 sons, Joseph, is sold as a slave to Egypt, and God, you, God throws him in, you know, as a slave in Potiphar's house and then in prison. And then he becomes the ruler of Egypt and saves, the, saves his family from famine. They come from where they are and they live in, in Egypt. And then the Pharaoh that brought Joseph in, everybody forgets that the Hebrew people, you know, were there because Joseph saved the nation. And the Pharaohs then enslave the Israelites and they become slaves for 400 years. At the end of that time, they cry out to God. God sends them Moses and Aaron, and they lead the people through the Exodus out of Egypt and Moses and Aaron. Then God gives Moses and Aaron the law, the tabernacle, the Ten Commandments, the Levitical law, the book of Deuteronomy. So the book of Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Exodus all cover the life of Moses and Aaron and the people wandering. And then, then God hands leadership when Moses and Aaron die over to, to Joshua, who leads the people into the promised land. And their job was to annihilate the people altogether. The people were very, very wicked. They did evil, terrible, horrible things, including child sacrifice, uh, live murderous child sacrifice. They had very promiscuous and horrible, horrible things they did. And God said, look, if you don't wipe these people out entirely, they're going to pollute you and you're going to become just like them. And that is exactly what happened. And the story that follows after that is the book of Judges. And there's just one horrible thing after another that occur in the book of Judges. And most of the book of Judges is God is not condoning what's happening. And uh, a lot of these deconstructionists like to take the book of Judges and Leviticus out of context and show that God condones these terrible things and nothing is further from the truth. It's very, very terrible exegesis, meaning um, they're they're taking the, the Bible out of context to make these terrible cases against God. But the book of Judges ends with this story and each did what was right in his own eyes. And then God sends a Gentile woman and Ruth, the story of Ruth and Boaz is symbolic of Jesus and the bride. And so, you know, when the Jews rejected Messiah, then God said, fine, I'm going to bring Gentiles into this mix. And that's what Paul teaches us. And Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. He said, fine, I, I wish the Jewish people would accept Jesus. But since they, since he's not, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And God really opened that door by changing Peter's heart. 
But Ruth and Boaz is this beautiful love story between a Moabitess woman, a, a Gentile woman, and Boaz, her uh, the kinsman redeemer for her deceased husband. And he redeems her. And Ruth and, and Boaz have Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse, and Jesse has a son named King David. And so in that time, the, the Ruth and, and, and Boaz were alive during the time of the judges. The people cry out for a king, so God gives him Saul. Saul rejects God and disobeys God, so God says, fine, then I'm going to find a man after my own heart, and that becomes King David. And so King David becomes the first king of Israel that is a man after God's own heart, the second king after Saul. And King David's kingdom goes to Solomon, his son, and then Solomon disobeys the Lord, and so the kingdom is split into two kingdoms, and that's what the book of Judges and, excuse me, the book of Kings and Chronicles cover. And they disobeyed God so much so that God sent the Assyrians in to destroy the, the ten tribes of Israel. And that's where Ahab and Jezebel and many of the other wicked kings ruled. And then the Babylonians in to take the people of Judah and the tribes that lived in the area of Judah at the time captive into Babylon. And so that's where the book of Daniel takes place is Babylon captivity. And after 70 years, as prophesied by Jeremiah, because Jeremiah was the prophet that kept saying, guys, you better stop. You better turn this around or God's going to send you into exile. And they didn't obey. So God sent in Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, the people are taken to Babylon as captives. Daniel is one of those captives, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego. And at the end of that 70 years, God then places Cyrus on the throne and then Artaxerxes who says, okay, go back and rebuild Jerusalem. And it is Nehemiah. So Ezra goes back and rebuilds the temple at the command of Cyrus and Artaxerxes goes back and rebuilds, uh, sends, excuse me, sends Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the walls. And so this is where we are. When we're in the book of Nehemiah, this is post-exile, post-punishment. And and this is what begins the silent years of the essentially after the temple and the walls are built before Messiah comes. And this is exactly what was prophesied to Daniel in Daniel chapter nine, which we're going to get to in just a minute. But I wanted to give you that context. When we're reading this, this is after all of the history I just went through after 70 years of exile in Babylon. And now this is where Nehemiah has this calling on his heart to go and restore the walls of Jerusalem, rebuild the city and get the place ready for Messiah because the next big biblical event that occurs is after the after the temple and walls are built Messiah comes which is 486 years later <laughs> so let's uh, let's read this in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 1 the words of Nehemiah son of Hakaliah of course i had to you know pick a weird name in the month of Kislev in the 20th year while i was in the citadel of Susa Hannah and i one of my brothers came from Judah with some of other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived exile and about the and about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back into Providence in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive to my prayer. Excuse me. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open. Hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you before you is praying before you day and night for your servants. This people of Israel, I confess 
the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed your commandments, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commandments, then even in, if your exiled people at the furthest horizon, excuse me, even then, if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed with your great strength and with your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in serving, who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cut bare to the king and this king are exercises that he was. So here we see this example where Nehemiah just cries out and says, God, listen, we, you said this was going to happen, but don't forget us. Please redeem us and please give us the opportunity to make this right. And so, you know, uh, just a, just a few years before that, Daniel in Daniel chapter nine is praying something very similar to Nehemiah. And it says in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent. So this would have been just before, a little bit before our Xerxes became the ruler of the, because the Persian empire took over the Babylonian empire. So these are the Persians. And that's actually captured for us in the book of Daniel. And that's the chapter on the handwriting on the wall when the Persians, that's the night that the Persians came in and took over the Babylonian empire. It says, uh, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer, petition, and fasting in sackcloth and ashes. Do you see that trend? Prayer, petition, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed. So here we're going to see something very similar to what Nehemiah prayed. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and rebelled. We have turned away from your commandments and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke to you in your name, who spoke to you in your name to our kings, to our princes and to our ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of Israel, both near and far and in the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes with our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we had not obeyed the Lord our God and kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed. Your law has been turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and the sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the word spoken against us and against the rulers bringing by bringing on us this great disaster under the whole heaven nothing has nothing has ever been done like what has been done to jerusalem just as it was written in the law of moses all disasters come on us yet we have not sought the favor of the lord by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth the lord did not hesitate to bring disaster on us for the lord our god is righteous in everything he does and yet we have not obeyed now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, who made yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger from, and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear our prayers and petitions for your Lord, for your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your des desolate sanctuary. Give ear 
our God and hear, open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We did not make requests to you because we are righteous, but because in your, because of your great mercy. Lord, listen, Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your name and your city, excuse me, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. What a powerful prayer, man. The first two times I read those prayers, it just kind of rocked me to the core because it made me realize like that is how we should be praying for the world around us. And then I wanted to throw this kind of fun story in here. This comes from Acts chapter 12. And it said, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them for he had James, the brother of John put to death with the sword. So that's um, James, John, Peter are the three that kind of went everywhere with Jesus. And that's who, who was put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval amongst the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. So this would have been right before Passover, probably about a year after, if you know, about maybe, if, if not two years after the um, crucifixion and resurrection. After arresting him, they put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Okay, so Peter's in prison. The church is earnestly praying. They've just, they've just watched James, who you know, um, put to death by the sword. So the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and two sentries stood, stood guard at the entry. Excuse me, at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side to wake him up. Get up, he said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap up your cloak around you and follow me, and the angel told him. Then Peter followed him out of the prison. He had no idea what the angel was doing, and he had no idea what the angel was doing and was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for, for them by itself and they went through it. And when they had walked in the length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. So let's just imagine this. Herod's got four squads of four soldiers. He's chained. He sends an angel in, wakes him up. The chains fall off. The doors open. Peter walks out of the prison, walks through these gates. The doors are opening. Soldiers, nobody has any clue what's going on. Peter's so stunned. He thinks it's a vision. And as he's walking through town, all of a sudden the angel disappears. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were going, were hoping would happen. When this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people were gathered and were praying. So here we've got the church gathering and praying. Jesus decides, or excuse me, Jesus, Peter decides that's where he's going to go. Peter knocked at the door and a servant named Rhonda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed, ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. So here they are praying for Peter. He knocks on the door and she's like, Peter, and she forgets to even open the door for him. I just love this story so much. It's so funny. Verse 15, you're out of your mind, they told her when she kept insisting that he was. So they said, this must be an angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him there and they were astonished. Peter mentioned, motioned with his hands for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left to another place. And then it wraps up the story with this verse. There was no, in the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers who had become what had become of Peter. After Harrow did a thorough search made for him, he did not find him. He cross-examined the guards and ordered them to be executed. So in those days, if a prisoner escaped from prison, uh, the prison guards were executed. <laughs> so um, sad for them, great for Peter. But, you know, this is just, 
I love this story because this is an example of what the church should be doing. When things are just not going the way that they're supposed to go, our job is to be in in prayer, to be praying for these things. And I love the story because here they are praying for Peter and God answers their prayer and they're too stunned to believe that it's actually true. And how many times has this happened to us, right? Where we're praying fervently for something, God answers our prayer and we're too stunned to realize God's actually answered our prayer. So I also just wanted to to close um, reading before we actually get into praying with two different scriptures uh, about about prayer and praying, you know, how the Holy Spirit and how Jesus are constantly praying for us. So in Romans chapter eight, Paul teaches us something kind of cool about this. He says in Romans chapter eight, verse 26, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness when we do not know what we ought to pray, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So we know that we have the Holy Spirit praying for us and praying on our behalf when we when we find ourselves in a situation where we just don't know what to pray. But, you know, the other thing that is really beautiful about the way that Romans chapter eight talks about prayer is it also tells us that not only is the Holy Spirit there praying for us, and I, I like to call this the uh, the prayer sandwich, but the Bible also tells us that Jesus is also praying for us in that same passage. So it says to us, A little bit further down in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, who then is the one who condemns us? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So we've got this prayer standard that shows up in the Bible. And I, I like to say we're just kind of squished in between the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us when we find ourselves overwhelmed. And then the Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for us. So prayer is, you know, besides the Psalms, and, and we'll close with the Psalm when we get done praying. You know, prayer is the, it, it is such a foundational piece to who we are as Christians. So with that said, I just, I ask that you, if you're driving, do not close your eyes, please. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it, join me on this second part where you can be co- completely focused. We can put everything down and where you can just actually join with me in this prayer. And uh, this isn't, this isn't something to do while you're driving or while you're cutting vegetables, but this is something I ask you to do where you pause me. And wait to come back to this part where you can sit down and and you can you can enter into a state of prayer with me on this. And I'm just going to ask the Lord to lead this. Um, I'm not going to. Hopefully, I will make a total tangible or tangible um, coherent sense when I talk through this. But I just really wanted to to, to dedicate this time together to just praying and praying for these things. So, join with me, please, uh, Heavenly Father. What a gift it is that we can come before you, before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Father, not only do you hear our prayers, but you long for that communication and fellowship with us. And so, Lord, I just come before you now. I ask that, Holy Spirit, you'd fill me, lead this lead this time together, Lord, and, and that I would just be praying, Jesus, the way that you taught us to pray. Just honoring and acknowledging the Lordship of, of, of the King of kings and Lord of lords, our Father, and just asking father that your kingdom come and your will be done lord the the 
you use incense in the in your word as a description of what prayers the prayers of the saints are and so father i just ask that this time that we spend together in prayer before you that it would be incense that it would be a sweet aroma before you lord and that all that we come before you and ask today would would be honoring to you father i thank you for the example of daniel and nehemiah and david and many other godly people who've gone before us who've who've fallen before your throne on their knees and they've, if they've pleaded on behalf of their people and confessed their sins. And so, Lord, in that same posture, in that same heart, we just want to come before you now. Father, cleanse us and forgive us for anything that may stand between us and our prayers. Lord, we just pray that right now, this time that we go in would be, you would place upon our hearts and minds the things you want us to pray for, Lord. We just ask that we are a body of Christ, a church, a bride, Lord, that brings you glory and honor. And that this time that we come before you would just... Father, bless your heart because the things that we are praying for are things that bring you joy because we as your bride, as the mystery that you are revealing, Lord, we just long to honor you in all that we do, especially the things that we come before your throne and ask. Father, it is such a delight to us to be alive during this time. that You've entrusted us as, these, as those who are alive in the end times, Father, to bring your light. And we thank you for that opportunity. And, and as good stewards, Lord, we long to be good stewards and, and to shepherd well what you've given us. We just, we want to come before you and fervently ask for these things that we lift up before you, Lord. As a world, as a nation, we have fallen so far from you. Wickedness abounds in, in, in our world in ways I never even thought imaginable, Father. Lord, we have the glorification of sexual perversion at a level that is almost un unbelievable. The children of this world are subject to all kinds of things. And Lord, you see them all in things that we don't even see. And Father, we recognize that there is just wickedness, sexual wickedness, just permeating almost every household, especially in this country, but all over the world, Father. We confess that we have turned to idols. We love our, we love the things of this world. We love feeling good. We love, we love what we love, and yet we've cast you aside. And we sit here and scratch our heads, curious as to why our lives are falling apart when we've rejected the first commandment. Lord, we are a nation that glorifies the love of money. We glorify the love of self. We have turned so far from you and your word, and the, as a result. The world is hurting. People are, are lost. Suicide rates are at all-time highs. Drug rates are at all-time highs. Homelessness is at all-time high. Our country is falling apart. Our government is falling apart. The world has gone into disarray. These things are heavy. But Lord, you're, we're not God. These are not our things to carry. They're yours. But it is our job to be the salt and light in all of this, Father. It is our job to be people who are before you, who are crying out for this world. And so, Lord, we just want to lift up all these cares. There are so many things right now. Wars, rumors of wars, evil people who are looking to take away our freedom, silence us, put poison in our bodies put poison in our environment, propaganda, lying to us. Everywhere we turn, there's a battlefront. But you promise us something. You say, I am always with you. You promise us that your grace is sufficient. 
And you promise us that in this world, there will be many trials and tribulations, but we are to take heart because you have overcome the world. And so, Lord, it is in this vein that we come before you and we just, we confess our sins before you. Every one of us is guilty of it. Lord, you bless us with such abundance and we, you, we take these beautiful blessings that you've given us and we use them to become idolaters. We use them to become complacent about the very things that we should be striving for. Father, forgive us individually. Now we confess before you these things where we have fallen short. We confess that we have neglected time with you. We confess that we spend more time on TV and on our phones than we do with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We confess that we forget our citizenship is in heaven. We confess that we spend so little time nourishing our souls with your food, the very thing that you said that we shall not live without. Please forgive us and bring us back to you. We long to be sheep of your pasture that know your voice. We want your light to shine through us. We want to be the salt and light. Jesus, we want to be obedient. We want to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And Lord, the only way that that will happen is if your Holy Spirit is allowed to indwell us and to lead us. So first and foremost, we just ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would teach us to be led by the Holy Spirit, to live a life led by the Holy Spirit, that we would not gratify the desires of this flesh, but instead, Father, we would gratify the Spirit and that you would be allowed to work through us. Lord, we place ourselves as tools in your hands. We know that sometimes that means you're going to put us in the fire because you have a refining work. We know sometimes as clay in your hands, you're going to mold us and shape us into something we could not have imagined for ourselves. We know sometimes that the pain that you allow us to go through is because you long to take us to a place that we would not go on our own if we were not choosing the narrow road. Lord, we have counted the cost and we say yes to you. We belong to you and it's okay because we trust that your grace is sufficient and whatever you walk us through will be sufficient. So Father, we lay our lives down before you. Father, we lay our cares down before you. All of us are carrying things that are heavy, that feel impossible. You so constantly rebuke us for being of so little faith. It's so easy to look at circumstances and forget that you are the God of the universe. Lord, like your disciples being tossed to and fro in a boat, you're asleep and they wake you and Jesus, don't you care that, that we're dying? And you look at them and you say, oh, you have little faith. So Father, we long to have faith that doesn't look at the circumstances, that doesn't look at the storm, but instead says the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is in our boat. He commands the winds and the wave. They obey him. We will not look at the storm. Instead, we want to be those that are wise and have built our house upon the rock. So, Father, first and foremost, transform us so that we may be the light that you have called us to be. Lord, I just pray for all of these circumstances in our world, Lord. In some way, you have a purpose to use us. Since it might be sending us out to the schools to protect children from the, the terrible things they're doing there being a voice of hope and love to somebody who is lost to trying to find their identity in the transgender movement or in the homosexual movement. Father, whatever it is, wherever you send us, Lord, use us. You ask, who, who shall I send? Who will go? And your prophet replied, send me, I will go. And we say the same thing, Lord, send us, we will go. And so Father, right now, I just pray 
spe- specifically for the United States, Lord, this has been a country that you have used to do so many things, and we have fallen from you, Lord. You gave us this nation, you gave us godly leaders, and we have turned our back on you and we've rejected you. There are people sitting in leadership all over this country who hate you, who despise you, who, and who are actively working against you. And Father, for that, we plead out and we cry. We beg for forgiveness for allowing these wicked people to go into power. But Lord, you know. Father, we just pray right now that the wicked schemes that these people are trying to impose, the normalization of abortion, the sexualization of children, the mutilation of children, Lord, these wicked, evil things, allowing evil people to come into our country and take over parts of our government and take over parts of our cities. Father, you see these things. These things are laid bare before you. The world and the earth and everything in it is yours. And so, Lord, we ask right now over the leadership and over the vile things that are happening in this country that your kingdom come and your will would be done. Lord, we just pray that there would be no authority granted to these demonic principalities and these strongholds that are working actively against this nation, Father, that nothing would be allowed to occur apart from your sovereignty. And then, Lord, in that we stand in your promise that you work all things together for the good of those who love you and called according to your purpose. And your bride, your people are still here, and we know that you can use these circumstances for the good of your people because we are here and we are still engaged in this and we are not going to back down as long as you have us here on mission so lord most importantly we lift up the children father there are so many vulnerable and innocent children right now going through things that are we don't even want to imagine and lord right now we just rebuke the principalities and these things that are working actively to harm and to murder and to sexualize and to to just touch these children in jesus we ask that you would rebuke them and in your name that you would bind these principalities and that they would have no authority to harm these children any longer in whatever capacity it is if it's brainwashing them in schools we pray for these hospitals that are mutilating these children that you would destroy these hospitals that they would not be allowed to do this we pray for parents that are blinded by this that you would open their eyes and that you would wake these parents up to actually love and protect their children we pray for the schools that are promulgating these dangerous ideologies uh, the sexual ideologies, the, the hatred that's being spewed upon these children. Father, we ask, we, there are so many of your people in this nation, and we, we will not sit silently by while our children are thrown on the altar of Balaam and Molech and being burned alive and mutilated in wombs. We will not stand by silently and not plead your mercy and over this nation and your judgment over this nation that you would stop these vile things. The, ch- the children that are being sex trafficked, Father, I just pray that you would end this horrible and vile practice, not just in this country, but worldwide. All over this world, the enemy has had his wicked, nasty hands on children, and we just ask right now for a supernatural protection and covering that none of these little ones will be harmed. Lord, please rescue them from this darkness. This is not their fault. They did not ask for any of this. Please protect them from these things. Forgive us for being asleep at the wheel, for giving money to these organizations that are funding these things, for taking the resources that you've given us and giving it to these wicked people. Father, teach us to be good stewards of everything, including how we spend our resources. Convict us if we are promoting any of these things in our homes and in our lives. Father, may we not love Disney more than we love you. May we not love our entertainment more than we love the children of this world that are being placed on the altar of our convenience and our idols.
Jesus, you said it would be better for anybody who would harm one of these little ones to take a millstone around their neck and be cast into the ocean. Lord, not only do we pray for these victims, but we pray for these perpetrators as well. Pools in the hands of the enemy, pawns, they're just as broken. Lord, those that can be redeemed, redeem them. And those that cannot, Father, please do not allow their wickedness to continue. End this vileness in our world, especially over this nation. I pray for the leaders of this world right now. The World Economic Forum and all those things that those cuckoos are stirring up. Lord, you told us this was coming. Nothing is new. Lord, but what does matter is what we do with it. Lord, like Corey, who you used in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. Use us wherever you send us, whatever may come. Guide these circumstances towards the things that you desire, but Lord, just open many doors for evangelism. I just pray that the wickedness of these things that are coming, Father, would open the eyes of those who belong in the Lamb's book of life. You tell us in the book of Revelation that when you begin to pour out these judgments, that in spite of all of these things, the people that are remaining, they do not repent. But Lord, there are so many left here right now who have yet to, to put their faith in you. And that is why you tell us that the reason that you have not come is because you are waiting for them. And Lord, that is our, <laughs> that is why you have us here. So please use us in a powerful way so that all of those who are remaining to yet put their name, their hope in your name before it is time for you to pour out your judgment on this earth, Father. Lord, may they, may you use us to, to bring them into the kingdom, Father. Holy Spirit, just I ask for an outpouring of your presence all over this planet. Lord, there are people all over the world right now who are crying out to you in misery and hungry in psychological damage who are watching these things whether they are in a remote village somewhere in in china or on the continent of africa where they are sitting in a home with parents doped out on drugs here in the united states whether there are people all over you are reaching out to and i just ask holy spirit for an outpouring of your spirit on this planet lord we long for you we are asking for you we ask for you to come and still reign and rule the restrainer has not been removed and so lord we are not done yet and it is you holy spirit who convicts the world it is you holy spirit who does the transformation we are simply vessels that allow others to see who you are through our lives and so father please do a mighty work Lord, these things that you're doing with young people, may that spread all over this planet. You said that, that your gospel would be preached to the ends of the earth, and we are asking for that to happen now. We are asking everywhere that you would ignite your bride, your church, Lord, that you would strengthen her, even those who have little strength like Philadelphia and those in Smyrna who are just, just barely getting by, who are dealing with great persecution. I just ask right now for our brothers and sisters across the world, Lord, those of us who are one in you, your church, Lord, that you would ignite a fire, Holy Spirit, that you would just fill us, Father, and that we would no longer compromise. We would have no tolerance for the sin of this world. We would have no longer one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. Instead, we would be all yours. And that we would acknowledge and give you everything in every part of our lives, Father, so that everything that we have, we may be a good steward of, and it may be used for your kingdom. 
When it's all said and done, Lord, the only thing that matters is eternity. And that eternity is just the faithfulness that you've asked us to have, to, to be obedient to you. I just pray for my brothers and sisters all over this world right now. Some are losing their lives. Some are hiding. Some are just coming to life. Jesus, you are the good shepherd. And I know that your bride will be like Ruth. Solid, committed to you, beautiful, hardworking, focused, obedient, and excited to have you redeem her. Excited to have you put the corner of your robe over us. We are so excited for the day you call us home. We long for the marriage supper. But we long to go at a time when you have finished the work through your church on this world. On this world. So Lord, we ask now, I ask for my body, my brothers and sisters, fill them up, fill them. Lord, make us ready for you. Dress us in white. Let your light shine everywhere we go. May we be your ambassadors in every way. And when the world rejects us, may we rejoice in being counted worthy of suffering persecution for you. But Lord, may we never lose hope. May we never get discouraged. May we stay steadfast, knowing that your promises are true and that we can fix our eyes upon you and you will keep all those promises. Strengthen your bride, your body, my brothers and sisters. Wake us from our slumber. Lord, I pray for the leadership. It's so easy to look at some of these wicked people and just wish them harm. But Lord, you see image bearers. These people have actively worked against you their whole lives, but Lord, they're not beyond your redemption. Even Paul says the reason why you chose him was so that the world could see that you could take a murderer and turn him into your apostle. And so, Lord, I just pray for these wicked leaders in our nation. I just ask that, Father, their wickedness would be hindered, that they would no longer have the ability to do such evil deeds. But most importantly, Lord, they are broken. They are pawns of the enemy. I ask that you would please rescue them, save them. That our story does not have to be one of evil winds, but rather many turn to you and repent of their evil ways and find you. Lord, for those that have ultimately rejected you, I just ask that as David prays so many times that the pits that they dig, that they would fall into. That they would not be allowed to carry out their evil schemes. Lord, we know from Psalm 73 that we can get overwhelmed by these things. We can be like Asaph. We can look at these people and say, why is it that they're always prospering? But where we want to be is where Asaph ended up that psalm, where he just said, but then I entered your sanctuary and I understood their final destiny. These people are hopeless. <laughs> Lord, teach us to love our enemies. You said, what benefit does it, what does it benefit a man who loves his neighbor? But rather, go love your enemies and teach us to love these people. Not to condone their wickedness, not to partake in it, not to have anything to do with it, but instead, Lord, to know that if you could change a wretched sinner like us, you can also change them too. Your redemption is not 
beyond the scope of even the most evil of men. Lord, I just pray that we would find our peace in you. As easy as it is to get discouraged by these circumstances, by the spiritual warfare that the enemy lobs on us, by the, the, the conditions of this world. We just, we want to be like Hebrews chapter 12. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Teach us to endure these things with joy. Teach us to walk like Jesus. Transform us to be like him. So as his ambassadors, it is because you have done a work transforming us into the image of your son. Teach us to pray for the circumstances around us, the people around us, to be good stewards of the things that you've given us. And to pray for this nation and to pray for this world and to pray for the leaders and all these things that are occurring. Give us the wisdom to know how to, to navigate these things. Give us discernment, Father. I just pray right now. <laughs> it was so easy during the COVID pandemic to be deceived about things like healthcare and vaccines and what to do. And Father, the enemy, you tell us that when he lies, he speaks his native language because he is the father of all lies. And so I just ask now for... Your, your body, your bride, Lord, that never again would we be deceived by these things, that you would give us the discernment and wisdom and how to navigate the, the things that come in the future. But Lord, I just pray most importantly, like you teach us in the book of Philippians. You say to be anxious about nothing, but with thanksgiving in everything, present your requests to God. So teach us not to be anxious. Teach us to stay in a continual state of thanksgiving. Teach us to present our requests to you, to cast our cares on you, and then the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our minds and hearts. And so, Father, in closing, I just want to take the time to thank you. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for being Jehovah El Roy, the God who sees me, <laughs> the God who sees every one of us individually. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for making it possible for us to be reconciled to you and to be filled with your spirit. Thank you for transforming us and not leaving us the way that you found us. Thank you for giving us the ability to see the death around us and not fall prey to it or be subject to it any longer. Teach us to love you and love people with such a passion that we pour ourselves out and are obedient to you. Thank you for your body, your bride. Thank you for each other. Thank you for your truth that we can stand on it and be absolutely confident in everything that you've told us. Thank you for this beautiful planet. 
We sure made a mess of things. <laughs> but we thank you for your redemption. And we know that you will make all things new. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your hope, the assurance that we have. It's not a blind hope, but it's an assurance that you are going to do everything you said you're going to do. And when it's all said and done, it's going to be okay. We thank you for your promise in Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We thank you that no matter how awful our circumstances are, you are shepherding them. We lift up our loved ones to you right now, Father. Be with them, guide them, protect them, and those that don't know you, Father, change their hearts before time is too late. May their names be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you that you take broken vessels and you look on us and you see image bearers. <laughs> thank you that we have you to put our hope in and our trust in. And thank you that you hear the meager prayers of your people. May our prayers be to you as incense, Father. Transform the world around us by your spirit. Use us. May we be good and faithful stewards before you. And Jesus, please do not delay. Oh, how we long for the bridegroom to come get his bride. May we, by the time that you call us from our chambers out into the wedding, may we be so beautiful that you delight in us. May the joy set before you be everything that you have waited for it to be. But may we bring you such joy when you finally get your bride. Prepare us for that. We long to be a bride worthy of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, Father, I lift up the United States. I lift up all the other countries in this world. The innocent children and all those that cannot defend themselves. Lord, this is where your heart is. The poor. The, those that are handicapped and hurting and broken. Jesus, those are the people you spent your life ministering to. May we have the opportunity to likewise bless the world around us. Please use us to touch, pray for, heal, mend, bring truth and life to the world around us. Holy Spirit, we read what you did to the early church in Pentecost, and we ask that same outpouring over our lives now, that you may do a mighty work on this planet as long as your bride is still here. Work through us. Transform us. We pray this. And the one who made it possible for us to come so boldly before your throne. Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus our Messiah. We love you and we pray this. Thank you so much, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, thank you guys for joining me in closing I just want to read Psalm 27 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me, they devour me. It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I cry, Lord, and be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me and do not turn your servant away in anger, for you have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, or false witnesses rise up against me. For false witnesses rise up against me, sprouting malicious accusations. I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Keep praying for this nation. Keep praying for these people. Keep praying for the world. Battle's not over, guys. We're not done. We're not done until he says we're done. And that means that taking time to pray still matters. We still have an audience with the king. Let's not take that for granted. Be blessed, and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Made to Conquer podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave a review that really makes it so other people can find this podcast, and be sure to tell your friends and family about Made to Conquer. Anyone else you believe would enjoy joining us on this journey of drawing closer to Jesus.